and welcome to another New Game Plus, this time on storytelling. So for those who are just new to the loop, New Game Plus is for the weeks when we just can't get an episode out, but we want to keep you uh, happy and hearing some lovely discussion. And on New Game Plus, we like to kind of tackle something that we've hinted at or talked about on the podcast before, but maybe we didn't get in as much depth as we'd have liked to. And so this time we're coming back on a topic that we talked about a while back with a guest about storytelling in games and we sort of felt like we wanted to dig a little bit deeper into that and this conversation i first want to give a shout out to um the cinema cartography it's a youtube channel on uh youtube i don't know why i said that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was screwed i was like i started it and i was like i'm screwed now i have to finish with youtube there's nothing else i could do to save myself (laughs) but they have a video called the video games that change storytelling and i think it's an interesting video um and it's going to give us it gives us kind of a nice little framework and I, i do recommend checking it out if you're interested to sort of see the games that are most often tacked as kind of like big games that have affected storytelling um but maybe we'll agree or disagree with that um, but why don't we start off first, just like as, as a real basic thing of like, how do games tell stories? Um, what is storytelling in a game? What are your thoughts, folks? Uh, well, let's, let's jump a little bit ahead because I thought we'd come back to this later, but let's start. So I think the, the beauty yeah. of video game storytelling is the emergent storytelling. Mm-hmm. So it's probably, probably something very different, um, both to what we talked about when we, when we came to this the first time, but also... Um, I think about what most people talk about when they talk about video game storytelling. I think the strength of the medium is the stories that we make for ourselves in games. XCOM is is the classic example of this, where you build up these characters, you name them, you you spec them out in the way that you want them to, um, and then you'll take them into adventures and you'll do things. I always remember, um, I still haven't gotten to it yet, but my little brother uh, played XCOM 2 um, and populated it um, with me and his friends and, you know, various other people in his life. And he'd message me like, oh, um, you killed four aliens in this way today. And, like, just the the way that things happen and, and build um, when those mechanics of the game interact with themselves and create narratives for you that no one else will ever experience. Uh, games like FTL are great for this. Roguelikes lend themselves really well to this kind of thing. Um CRPGs as well, although it's a, a, a structured narrative, um, because of the way you'll approach it and because your character is specced out a little bit differently, it'll always feel slightly unique and different to you. And I think the best video game stories harness that in some way, uh, whether that's the emergent stuff or, and I suppose this is the other thing that I think about in terms of games telling stories, uh, and this somewhat brings us back onto the, onto the agenda roughly, uh, is the interactive component. Uh, when your agency feels like it matters. Um, and uh, this is where I feel games like The Last of Us fall very, very short, because mm. as good as that game is... Before um, you jump on that, I want to I I, I jump in on okay. what you're saying here with interactivity, because I, I feel like there's an interesting... Because um, we'll get there, don't worry. But I feel like there's an interesting <laughs> connection you're making too, where... Um, because when you talk about emergent storytelling, that's, that's sometimes what we can argue with like sports, right? Sports has emergent storytelling in the sense that it's like, it's kind of what you make for it. It's like, I like this team, thus I do this. And so there's no inherent storytelling in sports, but it, it's sort of created as you watch, right? Um, you know, like there's the, the come behind, like it's very dramatic. Um, whereas in gaming, I think what you're sort of hinting at is like the the extra thing is that interactivity, right? Is that your direct involvement. Um, as much as you want to, 
you know, if you watch a hockey game, you can name the characters whatever you want if you want, but that's not really part of it. You know what I mean, right? Like it's like like you're saying um, in, in a video game, there is that inextricable um, thing which is interactivity, and like that, I do think is the unique element of gaming, right? It's something that, like, I, I don't know. I, I, do you guys think, is there anything else really where interactivity is so present in terms of, like, mediums? I can't really think at the moment of other mediums where it's such a huge factor to it, you know? Well, it's there in books, but it's there in a different way because in a mm-hmm. book, the way a character is described um, has to meet in the middle somewhere with um, how you imagine them. The same with places, the same with how things play out but i think that's a different kind of interactivity yeah i'd say that's imagination um, think, right yeah yeah you know <laughs> but the, the, yeah. The, the the crucial component is the fact that um the video game is reliant on you doing somewhere that like the book still is able to structure out each word follows each word um a game can't necessarily rely on that unless it's heavily scripted and this mm-hmm. is where i think the problem with storytelling in video games happens um in the situations where the medium isn't necessarily respected or someone um, takes the the film approach to a game and it suffers for that reason. This is something we've talked about various times in various different situations on the podcast. I think it, the interactivity is the crucial thing as much as I started with the emergent. Um, it It's what sets the medium apart is the fact that you are an active participant um, and an, an active creator in a sense in the way that the video game story plays out. Paolo, do you want to add? Um, there. The interactivity is a very important part of the game, but also it depends on how the developer structured the game. Because if you have what's essentially either a walking simulator or a very linear experience, or maybe you have uh very interesting game but with a very interesting like overall story but if somehow your game feels empty to the player then the interactivity factor also can either help the story or hurt or hurts the story in a way depending on how the developer planned it out well i think you're touching on walking Sorry, I think I was going to say I think you're touching on something interesting. Is that I think the issue with creating a game, uh, wherein the main form of you know storytelling is through your interactivity with it and through your creation, is like how the shit do you test that? Right? Like there's so many different ways people will enjoy it, which is also why I think like opinions on games are so vastly wild all over the place. And I mean art in general, that's that's always the case, but I think it can be even more divergent with games because the reality is that like you're creating your experience. Um and so you get to a question of like I I kind of see why developers start to try and like funnel in cuz they're like, well at least I know it'll be enjoyable for many people um whereas when like it busts it open it's like will anyone like it i don't know and like it's a brave choice and it's a tough choice right <laughs> yeah and i think that's where walking simulators are interesting because i think they highlight um how integral pacing is mm. and this is something i think we we think about without necessarily naming it when we talk about uh movie storytelling as it relates to and as it compares and contrasts with uh video game storytelling 
because um, a director or you know an editor, whoever puts that final cut together, has control of what you see, when you see it, how long you see it for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a walking sim is the most the most easy example of how that just doesn't work in games because unless you're putting your player on a rail, and then you you know it's not really a game anymore um, to all intents and purposes. Uh, if you know if if it's not a rail shooter or there's not other interactivity around it, um, they take control over when they hit the next point, over how long they want to stop and stare at a certain aspect of the scenery. Um, and I think that actually puts more pressure on the developer because they have to they have to hone everything because you're going to see everything. And if you want to stop and inspect that one particular texture, God knows somebody will, and then somebody will um, put it in a, a compilation or you know rip it to pieces somehow for it. Um, and you know that comes with its own pros and cons. But um, well, exactly. pacing then becomes a whole. It, sorry, yeah, go on. no, I was saying, I was like, that's that's also what's insane about video games, right? Is that like not only are you creating a story, you have to create a world every time, right? Which Mm. is nuts you know <laughs> like you think about that sense of like in a movie right you could fake most of it but like yeah in a video game it's just like nah you gotta see it all yeah in, in a movie you get to imply and it's the same with books and it's the same with other mediums you get to sort of uh let let the gaps be filled in a lot more than you can get away with in most games yeah Sorry, both movies and books when you're creating a world you also have to like base how your player discovers the world or how you how you explain the world to them in games they discover the world by themselves in a way mm-hmm. so that's that's the other tricky thing that not only you have to create a, a world but you have to create a world that feels believable or alive in in a way yeah well, and I'd also that you can that you feel that as though you understand how to navigate, right? Because that's another, and this is sort of going away, so I'm not going to touch on this too much. But like, there's also the issue of like, um, do players understand what type of game this is, and how do they interact with it? Like, how difficult is it to interact with it? How easy do you make it to interact with it? Um, which actually, I think this could bring us a little bit though, because I think we're coming close to this. Like, Rick, you were going to talk about it anyway, but like Last of Us and stuff, and. Um, I think we're sort of hitting on this right now, but the idea of like games that flirt with other mediums, right. That are kind of like, they're not obviously fully in that because they're still video games, but they're just kind of like, hi to like movies and TV and whatnot. Um, And I feel as though, and this is sort of part of the conversation we had earlier in our our previous episode was about um, how there was sort of a period of time when games seem to have hit the ability to create stories that were of or similar to like a movie blockbustery type nature um and they're interesting to me because like i'm thinking like the bioshocks and like last of us is you know like these these types of games that and yet i don't know so i'm uh pass it off to you guys in a second i think this is a yeah. I think this is a conceit of the way we talked about it last time though i think it's more this is when storytelling and gaming started being taken seriously Yes, because there were there were definitely good stories being told prior. I mean, Chrono Trigger was ninety five, yeah, and and that's one of the best stories in games, as far as I'm concerned, personally. Yeah, um, you know, and it, it's not like that isn't valid because no one was talking about it. People were talking mm-hmm. about it, and people talk about it now uh, more so with it getting the re releases and, and some extra yes. love that way. I think it's just more 
um, uh, some of the reasons we did touch on when we talked about it last time, but it, that's when um, awareness started to spread of that aspect of video games beyond shooty, shooty, bang, bang, yeah. or like um, space invaders bring down the aliens. You, you, you know what I mean? I'm well, doing a really bad job of... Up yeah. for interpretation. And I think that is where things become quite unique is that even I love Chrono Trigger so much, but it it's pretty straightforward. Like when you do beat the game, it's like, I love that story and it's incredible. But even that story, when I finish it, I'm not left lingering with like all of these questions. You, you know what I mean? Um, and that right. to me, and yeah, that's okay. Maybe. Yeah, it's a little bit, but it's like, you know, there are stories that we watch and there are things that we look at and, you know, you finish them and you go, that was very amazing. And it's like an excellent experience, but you're not exactly left. Um, you're maybe just not left questioning per se. It's just a type of storytelling. Um, and I found that that was kind of a lot of earlier stories in, in video games. Um, and obviously, like you can you can find examples that go against that, because, of course, like there's tons of things. But I think what was interesting in the kind of Bioshock era and like The Last of Us coming through is that they're kind of games that left you um yeah that left a lot up to interpretation and that's where i think the confidence maybe was starting to increase a little bit with game developers like they're interested to explore um explore like slightly different conceptions like even when you look at and you and we can argue about how successful it is because i think now as we look back on it it's like okay, this is like a little bit of an off-kilter experience where like I get to do my gamey game stuff and then I get to have the story story stuff um, and they're not necessarily like one in the same. Although I think Bioshock does it a bit better than The Last of Us because of their, just their environmental storytelling that they go through. Because um, I find- well, that, That's what sort of um, popularized the audio log, isn't it? Like they yes. sort of did it in System Shocks, but that's, that's where that sort of became a bigger thing, for yeah. example. Yeah, hugely, right? Which has been overused now too. <laughs> a lot. How it goes, yeah. Yeah. Um But I, I think where the last of us really falls, and this this is sort of alluding to something that I was alluding to before, um those differences cut both ways. Because if you if you get that world right, um a player who explores and discovers and, and makes that world um real in their interactions with it that's much more powerful than anything that a movie or a book can do in some ways equally if you screw it up and as far as i'm concerned the last of us ultimately does in the end um it's that much more disappointing uh and, and without spoiling anything the ending of the last of us gives you the illusion that there might be some kind of choice for you to make and it sort of builds builds up towards a big decision for you as the main character of what to do with the situation that you're presented with, and then it railroads you into one of those decisions. Yeah. And and I think this is where you sort of talk about conditioning in in the show notes, Alex. It's conditioned you to think that there's going to be a choice, and this is at a time in the medium where choices in games are a thing. The Mass Effect trilogy's had such an impact on people, sort of carving a path for themselves going forward telltales the walking dead admittedly that sort of railroads towards the end but in terms of who you end up at that end with but who you end up at that end with and how you get there and the decisions you make along the way you get to make that choice you get to have a meaningful impact on that journey 
the last of us railroads you all the way through in a way that, that's sort of understandable because you've got a campaign to play. But then at the pivotal moment where you feel like, oh, actually, I'm going to get to decide what happens here. Uh, what do I think is best in that situation? Tough shit. The developers thought one thing and that's what's going to happen. And that's just a, a failure to set expectations in a way that undermines the whole experience because it brings the whole thing down a point or two and it leaves you at a point where you should be elated and wanting more and absorbing this beautiful experience, just being really disappointed and angry and feeling a little bit impotent because that agency has been taken away from you. Sorry, which Pat, is exactly how Ellie feels, which is why I love that. I love it so much because the choice has been ripped from Ellie's hands. She had a choice and it's ripped from her, right? Um, because ultimately, you see, and this is why I actually love, so I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And sorry, Paula, I'm going to jump to you in just one second. Um, uh, I just, but I kind of love this because that feeling you get at the end of it, it's like, yeah, that's, that's what's happened, Ellie, right? Like you somehow have felt the what the character must be going through and like that to me is so incredible um anyway i'm gonna stop there for just a second because paula you want to jump in right just one thing uh to run on the last of us before i make my point is that the even if the ending felt a little bit like not satisfying there was a point to make on why Joel pretty much made a choice for Ellie. Mm-hmm. And that also, I feel, says a lot about the character himself. Mm-hmm. So, at the very least, for The Last of Us, I feel it's more character driven than story driven in the end. Yeah. And I think this because... is what. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go go ahead. That was all I was going to say. Sorry, this is one of the one we're going to be cutting into each other a bunch. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I agree with you. But that is, and this is why I think that The Last of Us is a marker for an interesting moment in stories. Because even all three of us, we all have a different interpretation of this uh, game and the story that it's put forth. Which is why I do think it's quite interesting in that sense. Um, and that ultimately is a perfect no. Um, because it's like still really... I would say early in like gaming sort of storytelling development. But I think like what you've been talking about, Rick, is that there was this setup and, and it, this actually leads us pretty nicely to the illusion of choice, like that kind of question in games, because you mentioned Mass Effect and you mentioned The Walking Dead and all these things. And yeah, they provide you choice, but ultimately not really. Um, but they do give you that illusion. And that is important, right? Because that is almost like, um, like the placebo thing, right? Like it still feels valuable. Um, while it is ultimately an illusion. And so I feel like The Last of Us in some ways is sort of taking that, your assumptions, and it's 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 kind of playing with them a little bit to see what kind of story can be told. But again, this is, and this is the issue, right? It's not going to land for everybody, right? Um, and there's a distinction to me, maybe, because obviously The Last of Us is a linear game. Yeah. Uh, the problem is it, it, it gives you the impression that you're going to get to make that choice. Um, as Joel, and I understand what you're saying in terms of, um, it putting you in Ellie's shoes, but I think the time to do that is probably not when you spent 15 hours playing as Joel. I think that's yeah. something where I would have been much more receptive to it if that was in the sequel where you're playing. Anyway, um, what I was going to go to is Mass Effect and The Walking Dead, I actually think are good and bad examples of how to do that. Because it ultimately what what we're dealing with is a product that someone's had to make and where we're at, at the time of recording in 2021, there is no way to program and VO and mocap 
and design mm. infinite outcomes for infinite situations. It, it, the same way that it's not possible in any other medium, that it, it, there's, there's a, a finite limit on what you can do. Yeah, now, but for example, a good ex I think it's a better example of uh, having that choice is Chimami Tensei. The Chimami Tensei games uh, have, let's say they have a, uh, a set of paths that you can take, and your choices during the first part of the story really affect how the world is gonna end on that game. Hmm. And I love like I love Chimamita Tensei Four. I'm still gonna go neutral every time I play it. But for example, on Devil Survivor, you have a number of different choices you can make during the game that will lead you like to different endings. But not only that. Depending on what you do, there are characters that are either not going to be recruitable or you're just going to lose them if you don't play your cards right. Mm. So, yeah, albeit limited, the Shimigami Tensei games mm -hmm. for sure like nailed the choice and the consequence side of things um, mm -hmm. in that fashion. I definitely agree with that. In terms of Mass Effect and The Walking Dead, obviously they have one end ultimately. Um, yeah. you know, red, green, blue, whatever yeah. for the Mass Effect. But that, that's the problem. Um, it, without spoiling too much, essentially your protagonist in the situation that they're in comes to an end in the conclusion of both those games. Yeah. Um, in The Walking Dead, that's done with a, a path forward sort of laid out mm -hmm. and the implications of your decisions aren't meaningless like those choices still change things in a way that persists beyond the end of that game. Um, it doesn't feel like the rug's been pulled under and it's like, psych, none of it mattered because it all blew up anyway, Yeah, like in Mass Effect. And I, I think that's where um, that can work and cannot work, as contrasted to Shin Megami Tensei and something else, you know, the other games where you have multiple but discrete endpoints versus like the one singular endpoint that you're in one way or another funneled into in some of those games and that ultimately like it sort of begs the question too of like do games need all this like it's it's that thing of like storytelling has i feel like we've, we've sort of danced around this a lot but it, it comes down to this idea of like choice right and like player agency within a game and there's this sort of feeling of it's like well you gotta let the player do all that and then but there's also this flip side where people are just like games don't fucking need story just like <laughs> let me do my fun thing where i can get really good at a skill and have good times you know like it's like there's okay. the you know what i mean there's like those two sides of it like i i i think to myself while i'm playing like picross and stuff where i'm just like i want to get good at this or i'm playing tetris and whatnot and i'm like so what is storytelling in that like is storytelling too narrow of a focus I, like i'm not even sure like because when i think storytelling we talk about what we're conditioned we're often thinking about narrative Right. And we're thinking about um, often like dialogue and and um, conflict or whatnot, I guess maybe was a way to put it. Um, but I'm sort of here's curious. my hot take. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Go uh, ahead. there. Uh, no, go ahead. Pat, I was going to say I was going to chime in on the do the story always have to be a narrative. No, it, of course, it doesn't have to be a narrative. There are many ways to convey ideas. Or, or just to tell a story without using words, even mm. like not even like touching on cutscenes because that's the obvious one. Yeah. But depending on the kind of game you're playing, you can set the tone either 
with the music or the overall palette you're using there's 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 a mood that uh, to be set there mm. but there's other a more visual uh, kind of storytelling that often gets overlooked that is just how things are positioned on a scene like depending on the games you're playing for example if you're playing Breath of the Wild, I I feel I've used that like way too many times. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you go to uh, one of the lab- laboratories, the one in Hateno Village, probably people know which one I'm talking about. There's one researcher who has something happened to them, mm-hmm. and not only you can read like the little journal uh, that character has. But also, if you explore the layout of that laboratory, you see like little details of how this character is a total mess. Mm. But not only that, but they don't really get along with their assistant because their assistant is a neat freak. <laughs> and there's this little line on the floor that has been like moving. Uh, because there's like the first line, but there's like paper scattered past that so there's a second line and there's some other stuff scattered past that and there's a third line and if you like zoom into the line it says the name of each character at each side of the line so <laughs> right it, it, you, the, there's a little bit of world building to be had there also in another zelda game skyward sword if you look around link's room he likes um What's the word I'm looking for? Woodworking? Like sculpting little things with wood. Yeah. Because he has like all the tools on his on his desk. And if you sneak up into Zelda's room, that there's a way to do that with um uh, with one of the items you get later in the game. Uh, you'll see that there's um a little Luffin sculpture on her on her room too. Mm-hmm. So these little tiny details that I feel not a lot of people notice mm. also tell a story on its own. And those are just two examples of them. Mm. Is, so, yeah. <laughs> Before I jump in, Rick, you had a hot take. Yeah. So I, my opinion is that storytelling in video games is like politics in video games. Like, yeah, it doesn't have to have it. And you can't also remove it. I, I think it's mm. something that you emphasize and de-emphasize rather than um, something you do or don't include. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when you, when you think about emergent storytelling, like mm-hmm. there is just no way of removing that. No, because that's just, that's comes from interactivity, which is part of the beauty of it. And I think actually, Paolo, to kind of jump on what you mentioned, because like, I, I agree with what you're saying too, like how there are these like, but I find often those little detail things amount to just like, like you said, side content, right? Like, oh, here's the the extra uh-huh. thing you can find. Um, I think this is interesting because I think it does touch on this idea of games that kind of push or challenge the concept of narrative cohesion um, and like the concept of like, um, oh, you're going to get the narrative in this one particular way. Um, and instead, mm-hmm. you're going to get it in like all these different. And I think of when I played Bloodborne, because that game, I, I still don't know what was going on in that game. I have no idea what the story of that game was, 
But boy, do I remember the story of trying to conquer that goddamn game. <laughs> like, you know, like it, it creates its own personal story, right? Like me going through and like, Imagine. like ah, right, exactly. The emergent story. And and at the same time, it also has an atmosphere to it, right? Like it, it very much has uh-huh. a world. And I think, you know, the Dark, Dark Souls fans will just be like nodding along. Like, yeah, duh. Stories can be told atmospherically, right? Because that's what Dark Souls yeah. does, right? It does this thing where like it it marries your experience with its world that it creates, um, which I think is like a really fascinating, but it's also really hard to do. And that's also why I think you see so many people bounce off of Dark Souls, right? Um, Because I think it's doing something really good. But of course, like we said, because of interpretation comes up, only so many people can get into it, which I think is good, actually. Like, I don't think every game has to be for everybody, right? Like, it should be accessible for everyone mm-hmm. to try, but I don't necessarily think it needs to be, like, so, yeah. bra- you know, mass appeal. Anyway, Paolo, you have yeah. been that, that you can't be all things to all people. Yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah. On the Dark Souls uh, topic, actually, one of the things that I've been really enjoying um, because I've been watching my boyfriend play Dark Souls mm. a lot, because that's like one series of games that I'm still like too scared to try to jump to. <laughs> but the thing with Dark Souls is that the prepare to die thing um, is not like a warning. <laughs> it's more like... Um, PSA. <laughs> not a, a piece of advice, but dying Dark Souls is part of the story. Mm-hmm. It is totally integrated in the story, so dying is just one more mechanic in the game. And I found that to be like really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Because often when you die in games, your story gets interrupted, or whatever you were doing gets interrupted. And unless it's a game that continuously like out of says you're gonna lose progress and have to redo part of the story again or part of the gameplay or part of the state of part wherever well in dark souls it doesn't set you back isn't it is it essentially um sets you back like to a safe point where you can assess what you just did because the the enemies respond in the exact same time every single time so by dying, you not only not get to punish, but you also get more information about what you did wrong. Yeah, it makes a great feedback loop. You know, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Like I've been sitting here thinking too, like, you know, as you're talking, it's like, I I can't answer this right now because obviously I, I don't know. But like games, they're so stuck at the moment as, as, as I think any medium will get on um on like words and whatnot and then they're they're trying to break out of this right words cutscenes, at least for sort of larger uh games and part of why i think too when i think about it it's like and i always go back to because like i love studying the beginning of like mediums and whatnot i just think it's fun you know i'm a, I'm a history nerd and whatnot but like even with like movies and whatnot when it first happened like even audiences are a little like what's going on like you know what i mean like it was like like they didn't quite understand necessarily the movement to movement, the cutting between, like, even when we think about it, the fact that we understand, like, when an image cuts from one to another, that that's, like, a continuation, like, even that is a learned thing, right? It's a little, probably a bit yeah. more intuitive than some other things, but it's it's kind of learned. And so I think to myself, like, 
with video games and, and particularly the fact that video games are also encountering an input issue where it's like, you know, you got to do th- and also a skill issue where it's just like a lot of us are actually not that great at video games as much as we like to think we are. <laughs> but know? but also the, the, you, you know more than you think, you know, so yeah, so many sort of um, standardized control schemes for things like FPSs or platformers. If you put a new person into that, they don't necessarily have that frame of reference and that's, Obviously, it's besides the point here, but it's exactly what you're talking about, where um, you have a, a built-up understanding and the medium is able to play off and within and around that. And while you're still developing that within your audience, that is a, um, a wrinkle. And I think that also extends to storytelling in a sense because you, you have this distinction between, and this doesn't exist in other mediums really, um, I suppose the closest you could get are like the fighting fantasy books where it's like turn to page 83 if you want to open the door, turn to page 7 uh, if you want to go down the dark alleyway sort of thing. But like you you have a distinction between linear narratives in games and non-linear. Mm. Uh, and even then you can break it down further because in a linear narrative um, you have games where there isn't really a ludonarrative um, pairing going on. Um, so I'm thinking most RPGs, um, certainly sort of the JRPG sort of classic persuasion versus um, a game like, let's say, Brothers Tale of Two Sons, where it's a linear narrative, but your actions are directly sort of feeding into and engaging with the story that it's telling. Mm. And, and that's a whole other conversation to be had about how you make that work, how you don't. Going back to Bioshock, I remember when Infinite came out, I think that's, if we talk about awareness of certain things, that's the first time I heard ludonarrative dissonance as a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, 10 years later, admittedly, in our niche of the internet, where this is like something that's talked about and engaged with and discussed all the time um, versus regular Joe who just doesn't. Uh, ludonarrative is a concept that's relatively well understood. It's something you can have a conversation about. Yeah. A decade ago, that just wasn't a thing. Yeah. And I mean, it's the joke of like, you know, honestly, like I played played the Uncharted games with my girlfriend, right? And she's like, oh, the fun Indiana Jones games where you play as a genocidal maniac. Like, <laughs> it's just like, you know, like that Ludo narrative, right? Like you're just murdering so many people and then it's like, but I'm the good guy. And you're like, huh? Like your brain like kind of goes oh, and like tries to twist it into place. Um, and at the same time, I love that so much. But yeah, you're right. Like there's been a development of like this conversation I feel has just deepened more and more and is... And I don't know, I think it's always an exciting time um, for the most part being games, except maybe a few years ago when microtransactions first started. That wasn't an exciting time to be in games. Um, but <laughs> No, or five years before that when online passes were yeah. attempted to be. Yeah, right. And there wasn't really any accessible indie games. <laughs> mm-hmm. The dark times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know about this one, like, because a friend really indoctrinated me into the, the story of this game that I haven't played, but Drakengard, that, the, the, those games like, that came out before Nier, mm. same world, same creator. Um, the original Drakengard game, he said it is a very bad game, like the game Blue Wise, but there's like so many different things that story-wise are very interesting because you are... Um, you're giving like I don't remember if it it was that you were given like an order to kill like evil of an army or something like that, but then you're 
you're told like either the context or who those people were and then you're 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 faced not only with what you just did but what is really happening here so the way that games can um i am sorry i need to mute myself for a little bit because there's stuff going on here okay do you want to take two or um oh okay so the way that yeah uh, the the way games can really make the story like more visceral and hands-on on what is going on around you um can be like really interesting like one of the other examples that uh coming to recent memory is um undertale mm. mainly because of how it teaches you to play the game versus how um once you arrive to that to to certain point you're likely to play the game and by me by that i mean um the tutorial versus tutorial trying to stop you from going out there Mm. oh that's an Mm. interesting idea the idea of like the tutorial being like you can't leave until you're done versus hey i know you want to enjoy this so here you go that that's that's an interesting idea actually (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, and then you yeah, have the Far Cry Three Blood Dragon tutorial where it's just taking the mix for ten minutes. But then that only works. <laughs> that only works because most people know how FPSs work. So yeah, yeah. Come see. Yeah, same with Undertale. Like the way Undertale works is because um, it is geared towards people that already know how an RP works. Yeah. Otherwise, it wouldn't work. Yeah, and I've I've heard stories of people trying to introduce um, non-gamers, quote-unquote, to Undertale, and they don't get it because you can't subvert something which hasn't already been established. Exactly. Not so easy, yeah. anyway. Yeah, it's Rasputin. Yeah, actually, Rasputin, the one that uh, makes the videos of games for a non-gamer, might be recently one of, made actually, one on their yeah. yeah, Yeah, I remember, yeah, yeah. I remember watching that video. That was great. Yeah, it, you know... I, I, it's kind of nice right now because I do feel like every day now, like every month, there's some new game coming out that's offering a challenge to like how story presented, like Umarangi Generation. Like I haven't um, like played it quite yet, but this is the one on. Um, I've been listening to lots of interviews with the creator because he's incredible. Uh, this is the one um, about like it's like there's like a kind of a post-apocalypse happening, but you're like a journalist who's told to go out and take photos and like the apocalypse is happening all around you, but you're told not to take photos of that. Like you have to take photos of different things. And so like the story that comes out through that is such a, it's such a fascinating story, right? Where it's not being told to you. It is being told to you visually, but also like you kind of actually have to actively ignore it, which is kind of the point. Like, ah, I don't know. It's great. Like it to me, like the, the story is the thoughts that are evoked by the gameplay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Bunny Hop did an excellent video on that. If anyone's interested in knowing more. Yeah. Um, I'm waiting to watch that video because I'm like, I want to play it first, but I'm just, I'm just waiting. It's on my list. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. um, since I'm the one that plays a lot of visual novels, I feel obligated to mention them as the, kind of like media that fears with the idea of a choose your own adventure kind of thing. <laughs> but also there's many ways where of how a story can be um, impacted in, in, in a visual novel in the sense of 
you have like the usual like make your your decisions and that somehow like um takes you somewhere Mm-hmm. But I feel like a very interesting case of a visual novel is Stainsgate because of how it has a time tower mechanic or 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 how meaningful really feel um Ogave's choices are. Okay. Because in the end you're given the choice of which reality you're choosing, mm-hmm. which timeline you're choosing. So that uh, compared to a series of actions that you don't really see why they are important to the story. Like, for example, there are some times that it's like, okay, but how these, did, how in the world did I get here by making these choices? Um, the same makes it like very obvious where is like the breaking point and why that is a breaking point. And also gives you the power like as a player to not only affect the story but the different characters in that story and i don't know like i really like how they they make like the major choices there Hmm. well and it's interesting because i'll say just from like the visual novels that i've played like you know tommy and also like ace attorney and stuff like those games are the ones that feel the most like i'm playing a book um and like or even a comic book in a lot of ways right actually actually yeah a comic book more or less um even in how they're mm. styled and i think their main challenge honestly and like especially ace attorney games is that you're often a little bit ahead of where they're going you know um like you kind of figure something out and you're like you gotta wait until you figure out what the input is you need um doesn't matter though they're still the greatest games ever but um <laughs> you know like there is that sort of conceit there but yeah i don't know um do you have anything else you want to add? I think that we went through quite the, the crash course on there. I think there was one other type we want to talk about, which is a commentary on the medium itself and like the acknowledgement of the player, um, which I feel like we've seen games do this like spec ops, right? The line, which has like a real acknowledgement of like of the game itself and like what you're doing in the game um, and metal gear and whatnot. But like, I feel like the actual examples of those types of games are, are, are a little far and few between, but um, they are memorable when they happen, you know? There's two I want to talk about. So the first one um, is Certified Best Game Ever, 13 Sentinels, I Guess Rim, <laughs> which in- incorporates the idea that this is all a game in a really interesting way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to say any more than that mm-hmm. for fear of not spoiling anything. Go but... listen to our other new game plus. <laughs> Although I didn't really... Me- I-, I tangentially sort of mentioned it there, but it... Mm. It's excellent. The other one is Soma, and we have definitely talked about this one before. But where Soma's quite interesting is um, in that very early on, it's like, yeah, you're a robot. Like, Mm. you are not the character that you think you are. Mm. Although it doesn't, again, directly come up against it, it does that same thing of, like, unsettling the agency and and the connection that you're supposed to have. Mm. I think that's really cool in the way that it doesn't, in the way that it does that, rather. Any final thoughts there, Power? Well, the other example, and that's really like the only example of the games that I played that I can really think of for that one is what Doki Doki Literature, Literature Club does. Mm, right. And the the thing of why it is so mind-blowing to me is because that game was made on an engine called, I think it was Rempai. And that engine is 
specifically for visual novels. Mm -hmm. And the amount of the like very hidden tools the developer used for that is insane. Like I can remember like the exact command they used for a specific part of the game. But if you Googled if you Googled it before like some YouTuber I think I'm gonna have to link the video below or something like that. But the YouTuber that tore that game apart to know like how it was made, how it was made, mm. said that he couldn't find that command anywhere, like just by Googling. Like huh. I don't know how the developer knew about that command, but he knew. Damn. Um, hmm. I wonder if the, because uh, they've just made the Plus version, haven't they, and released that. I wonder if that's in the same engine or they just rebuilt it from the ground up. I hear it's got some extra stuff. Let us know. Let us know in the comments down below. And while you're there, why don't you smash like? <laughs> you know, it's interesting, though. I wanted to add one thing, too. And maybe this is the sad thing about um, when you create some a unique story or you kind of revolutionize something is that you immediately become cliche, right? And it's it's kind of the double-edged knife and like Bioshock, The Last of Us, Undertale, Doki Doki Literature Club, like all these games are like immediate cliche now. People are like, oh yeah, those ones, right? Like it, because they're so, they're so, they were so important, right? They were so important when they came out and they were such a big thing is that like, and then they become so disgust that it's almost like you roll your eyes when you hear about them again, you know? <laughs> and maybe that's probably from us being in these communities so much. Um, but I suppose if you're a game developer, that is a wonderful bad thing to have happen. <laughs> you're like, my game is loved so much, people are sick of it. <laughs> oh, too many people played and discussed my artistic creation. Right. <laughs> yeah, the one that I really like start rolling my eyes the second it gets mentioned is Ocarina of Time. Yeah. yeah. And I'm here with Bajora's Mask. I'm like, hey, these games exist too. Yeah, don't they, worry. They that'll be one eventually. <laughs> Uh, well, thanks everyone for listening in. This has been our kind of wildly ranging topic on storytelling and games. I don't think we're any closer to fully understanding it than we were at the start. And that's exactly where I wanted to be, which is excellent. Because <laughs> if we Who knows, were... by the time this releases, maybe we will be. Maybe, yeah. Oh, who knows? <laughs> uh, but that's the joy of this. We're going to keep exploring as, as people make new games and, you know, blow our minds and expand what we thought could be done with games. And I love that. Alright, that's it. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Bye. Cool. Take it easy. <laughs>